Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Separation or parody, or a little bit of both, what are we in store for this week in the Big 12 Conference, we break that down. Plus, your Saturday 7, the seven biggest games around the country happening outside the Big 12 Conference this weekend. This is the Neighborhood Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. You guys can like the video and subscribe to the channel if you want that five-plus days a week of fantastic Big 12 content. We've got interviews we have got previews. We have got recaps. We have best bets. We've covered conference realignment. All of those things you all can find here. Uh, and also, I mean, we basically post, yeah, it's, it's six, sometimes even seven days a week. On Sundays, we have a reaction show, sometimes on Saturday night, depending on when the games finish. Uh, Sunday's reaction show, we are in the winner's circle with the teams that got the job done. On Monday, we have the loser's corner. We find that best story. The best story sometimes, guys, is in that losing locker room. Then on Tuesday, we have the power rankings. And on Wednesday, a conversation with somebody, somebody normally in the Big 12 universe. Thursday and Friday, we start getting you set for the weekend. And then it recycles and repeats. And obviously, there's some other fun things spruced in there. Make sure you guys find this show wherever you get your podcast. Please leave five stars wherever you all do. Follow me on Twitter at NWPod365 for the show. At Josh Neighbors, excuse me, at Josh Neighbors underscores where I am. Last week, Big 12 picks, first really bad week, a one in three week for me in the Big 12. We're still 17 and 14 overall on the season against the spread with my Big 12 picks. So make sure you guys find those there. And those come out on Saturday morning. It's not the best line value, but still, if you guys are betting those games on Saturday mornings, Get you guys the you know the the best price possible, uh, and find you all some winners hopefully. And we've been doing a pretty good job of that so far this season. But it, it feels like this week is going to be hard, guys. Every single spread this week is within six points. So we talk about what's in store this week in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma and Texas, who have looked like the best two teams, are off. West Virginia, who's uh, four and one is on the road. You all will know what happened to them by the time this show is out. Kansas is 5-1. and one. They are on the road. 
And also BYU is four and one. They are on the road. So interesting spots for all of those schools. And so the reason I said, hey, is it separation or parity? A little bit of both. You know, those schools have a chance to separate a bit, right? If West Virginia goes to five and one and is hosting Oklahoma State next week, I mean, we could be talking about a six and one West Virginia football team. It's got a chance to do something pretty impressive if they get to that point. And their schedule, we've talked about this, it's not the hardest schedule in the world the rest of the way. There are some challenges, like at UCF, they have to go to Oklahoma, obviously. At BYU comes them, Cincinnati's a tough team too, and they go to Baylor. But it's it's not the hardest schedule in the league either. Kansas, you know, a, a chance to obviously stick around towards the top of the league, the one game they lost. They were competitive for most of the way against a Texas, but I think that showed they're kind of the next tier down. They responded so well, though, with hammering UCF. If they win this game, they're six and one with a bye week before they host Oklahoma, who they gave all kinds of trouble to last time Oklahoma went and played them there. And also, they damn near beat them last year uh, as well on the road. Uh, and then they got at, at Iowa State, Texas Tech, K State, at, at Cincinnati. So uh, big games left for them, but those are home games. And also, the significance of the Kansas Jayhawks being bowl eligible. You know, think about last year, guys. They were four and one, I think. I think that TCU game, uh, the five and one when that TCU game came and they lost Jalen Daniels. And number six was a challenge for them to get. You know, they had to go to Baylor. Uh, obviously, Jalen Daniels came back when they played Texas. They had to go to K State at the end of the year. Uh, they also had Jason Bean on the road at Baylor. They had Jason Bean when they were at Oklahoma. I think it was at Oklahoma last year. So, uh, you know, just for them to go to a bowl game last year, but then be six and one this year. And also guys think about it too. They went out of the rankings and jumped immediately back in because of how well they responded. If there's anything that's evidence of how good of a program Lance Leipold is building at KU, it's a fact that look, you know, Texas put it on a little bit late, but they responded the next week and buried UCF. They absolutely buried them in that game. And so that's what good programs do. It's what good teams do. It's what good programs do. They're obviously becoming a good program. Then BYU, a tough team to make heads or tails of. They're playing well. But if you look at the results, guys, 14-0 went over Sam Houston. It wasn't that impressive. Southern Utah, nah. 38-31 over Arkansas. That was an impressive win on the road. But it turns out Arkansas uh, is not very good, right? They're staring 2-5 and five right in the face. Then they have the loss to Kansas, 11-point loss that was close-ish, but then KU put some distance between them. And Cincinnati, that's a game they actually had a rally in, and the second half was much more impressive. So they have played close games, but still they're at 4-1 and one right now, and that has to be respected, and, and you know, we have to give that a lot of credit for the job Kalani Stocky has done in year number one. They are 1-1 one and one in Big 12 conference play. So those teams have a chance to do something, and they look at the – K-State and Texas Tech game, which I think is the most important game of the day because those are two schools that wanted to be involved in the Big 12 title conversation and race this year. If you lose that one, you can kiss that goodbye. Uh, a loss would put either of those two schools at two conference losses, and uh, they've got other ones on the schedule that appear to be losses. That would make a loss would make K-State three and three, a loss would make Texas Tech three and four. So, uh, you know, you're thinking about like long-term, you know, long-term this season, what that does for you. It does put a real wrench in any plans that you have. So let's get to that slate. Let's break things down. 
obviously it's exciting because we have a Thursday night game and I'm pretty excited for the Dana Bowl. I'm recording this once again on Thursday. Um, so that one's left out here. But on a Saturday, you've got four games coming up, right? These schools not involved this week. Uh, you see Texas, Oklahoma are not obviously playing this week. Also, UCF is out this week as well. And I'm trying to think of oh, Baylor, a much needed bye week for the Baylor Bears. So then on Saturday, 11 a.m. on FS1, Iowa State at Cincinnati. Now, this one is, you know, kind of the most under the radar game of the week, I would say. But Iowa State, though, comes in at three and three after scoring, excuse me, a big win last week against TCU and starting to look like a relatively competent outfit. I mean, I know this is not a uh, this is not a team where I'm looking at TCU or excuse me, at Iowa State and I'm saying, OK, well, this, this school definitely knows, you know, we, we know they're a, a strong team, top half of the league team. But the fact that they have one of the worst offenses in the league and they've gone through everything they've gone through and their defense is not as good as it normally is, the fact that both of those things are true is pretty impressive. And look, here's the thing. When you have Rocco Becht as the quarterback, like you probably didn't think this thing was going to start out too well. Well, honestly, passing-wise, they're not in the bottom of the league. There are teams that are below them. Hell, West Virginia is below them in terms of offensive efficiency when it comes to, you know, passing the football. Baylor's behind them as well. Oklahoma State is behind them as well. But the one category where, hey, out and out, their defense is not as good in terms of, like, totals and whatnot, but the defensive efficiency numbers for them are very good still. And so this does feel like that classic Matt Campbell outfit. Um, and he is making lemonade, guys. He really is making lemonade. Cincinnati is riding a three-game losing streak right now. But here's the thing. Cincinnati has played in close games. That's why you're seeing the spread being reflected as them as only a five-point favorite because they lost to Miami of Ohio by seven. They lost to OU by 14 in a game. It should have been more, but you argue, you know, could argue they could have been closer in that one. Then they lost to BYU 35-27, and that was a game that they were moving the ball all over the Bearcats, or excuse me, all over, um, uh, you moving the ball all over uh, BYU, but could not finish drives and were not executing well enough. So I think for Iowa State, look at them like, can they ride this positive momentum that they have right now into this game? They're kind of like Cincinnati, though, because they're off a of bye week. But hey, here's the deal. If you're giving me five points, Anything within a field goal, I'm taking between these two teams. Uh, if you're going to give me anything plus uh, outside of a field goal, right? Five is a pretty big number when you're playing this Iowa State team. And I even saw this week Scott Satterfield lamenting the fact that the, uh, the, the offense for them, the running backs, were just not as explosive. Because the problem for them is they cannot hit explosive plays. I don't think either of these teams are super, super explosive. Um, so if we're going to go like, hey, neither of these teams are going to hit explosive plays, and actually their defenses might be pretty decent, then I'm going to end up rolling with Iowa State, right? Uh, which coach do I trust more? Iowa State and Matt Campbell, right? Uh, quarterback do I trust more? I mean, it's a toss-up between Rocco Beck and Emory Jones. You know, Rocco Beck can be good, can be bad. I, I know what Emory Jones is. I know he's basically below average at this point, right? I know that about Emory Jones. He's had moments, but not a lot of really good ones. So I'll take Iowa State. I will take them on the road. All right, Kansas and Oklahoma State. Folks, we got Gundy last week. 
Might we get Gundy again? This is a great coaching matchup between maybe the best emerging coach in the league in uh, Lance Leipold at Kansas, and then Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy, who is, I think, still the best coach in the league, period. Uh, and just uh, this is based off of like years and years of success at one place, right? And also it was demonstrated last week. They make bowl games in their sleep. It sounds, it feels like they're going to do it again this year. Oklahoma State last week had a masterclass of a game against K-State. Brian Nardo's defense was incredibly well prepared. They looked like they knew exactly what they were doing. And they did. They did a good job of stopping that offense uh, from K-State. Ollie Gordon, to me, is a big key. The two games in which he has rushed at least 10 times, he has gone over 120 yards in each of them last week, 21 for 136 and a score. Iowa State in the loss, 18 for 121. Uh, did not get a score in that game, but was still incredibly effective. He is their guy, and I think, you know, just as a sophomore, like, he has got so much promise. We saw it last year, and he's just upped his game a little bit this year. Do I love Alan Bowman, a quarterback? No. I actually think this is a pretty, honestly, a pretty even quarterback battle. Uh, it's a bunch of good running backs, Ollie Gordon on his side, and then Daniel Hyshaw and Devin Neal have been an incredible tandem, right? And so the big key in this game is, can you stop the run if you are Oklahoma State? That is obviously the one area where this is going to matter the most is stopping the rushing attack because that is what Kansas does want to do, uh, and they've done it pretty effectively. Oklahoma State right now is 11th in the league when it comes to stopping the run. KU, just in terms of rushing offense this year, uh, they have the most rushing touchdowns at 16. And in terms of yards per game, they are second at 232 yards per game. So it's an effective rushing attack, and they just want to let Jason Bean only throw the ball at certain times. And I think it's kind of the smart way to do it. He can't air it out, but like they are more effective just if they run the football. Um, Jalen Daniels not going to play this week, I believe. And I've seen any I saw this week there was no update on him. So obviously that is a is a big deal. Um, and you know we're just hoping that he can get back, but he missed practice once again this week. So you know you're not trying to think like where is this game going to be decided. I would say, yeah, that rushing attack area. That, that's definitely an area where they will try to settle this game. Uh, Kansas, the big key is, you know, don't don't fall from behind. And I, I don't think KU hey, will. Like, you got to start fast. You got to be in their grill all game. And here's the thing. In the Texas game, like, they started fast enough to hang with them. In the game last against UCF, they started very, very fast as well. So if they can get that fast start down and make clear to Oklahoma State that, hey, we wear it on you, you know, that, that'll be huge for them. And they did. They wore on Oklahoma State last year in this game. And I want to go back to this again. I already made this point earlier, but I'll make it again. The fact that KU is looking at potentially going to a bowl game and being six and one and being ranked uh, mid-October is is really impressive. What Lance Leipold has done. Um, I want to see what the passing attack, man. If if I'm the the secondary from Kansas State or from Kansas rather, like I'm hoping that we can get some pressure and we're forcing Alabama to make throws because there are some big plays to be made. And that first drive, maybe you got to hang back a little bit on defense just because the Oklahoma State script last week was incredibly strong, right? That first drive was an awesome script from Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn. Casey Dunn's taking a lot of flack, and they could have cashed in even later in that K-State game and put them away earlier, I thought, but the script was fantastic. Will it be like that again? I think there are more opportunities to get to Alan Bowman as the game goes along. He did not throw a pick last week. It feels like he might be due for one. He's kind of the guy now. But just because he's the guy does not mean it's like you know incredibly steady. But 
Mike Gundy at home getting points, man. He is, he's got a fantastic record as a home underdog. And so I want to take Kansas here. I really do. I really want to take Kansas, but I mean, Mike Gundy's home record speaks for itself. I'm expecting a close game. I'm expecting a, a really close contest. I mean, this one's about as, as dead even as you could call it. I want to I want to go Kansas. I really do. But it's, it's hard to argue. So I, my final pick will be on Saturday morning, but I would say my lean right now is Oklahoma State due to how good that record is. It could change. If you get that number below two and a half, feel pretty good about it. 2.30 on ESPN. I used to see a Big 12 game on ESPN between two of the schools that will be uh, uh, you know, future members, obviously, and members in the new Big 12 conference. BYU and TCU. TCU is a six-point favorite over BYU. And BYU, guys, is a team that probably the metrics don't like very much, but we talk about teams that are very good at uh, capitalizing off of mistakes. BYU is definitely... Uh, you know, one of those teams that is, you know, incredibly opportunistic. They do a good job of getting to the quarterback and they do a good job of, you know, turning the ball over as well. They had a pick six last week. They've had six interceptions in five games, uh, you know, six sacks on the season, uh, or excuse me. Um, they've allowed uh, six, just six sacks in the season. So they don't get sacked very often. So the offensive line is actually playing pretty well. Uh, they are low in terms of getting to the quarterback, but they're still able to secondary is still able to make plays, but they do protect pretty well. So what is the TCU strategy here? Do you try to make Keaton Slovis beat you? Do you attack and, you know, try to hold things up front? Um, I'm getting after a Keaton Slovis. I don't think they just want to drop back and let the, you know, I think it's at a point now where, uh, you know, like they need to start getting aggressive. They need to do something identity wise to find out what they're good at because handing the ball to Imani Bailey is really working out for them very, very well. He has been, I think, low-key. Like We're not talking enough about the job that he has done so far in the league. He is, in terms of leaders, I think just number two right now behind Jonathan Brooks when it comes to, uh, when it comes to rushing. Uh, yeah, he's first in the conference. Yeah, he's 5.7 yards a tote. He is 690 yards in terms of averages. He is right up there towards – yeah, he's uh, second in terms of average yards – compared to Jonathan Brooks, just two touchdowns of the year. But guys, this guy is, you know, somebody that's incredibly consistent. They can hand on the ball and they're going to need that. Now that Josh Hoover is the guy playing quarterback for them in this game and going to be the guy playing quarterback, I think moving forward, we'll see TC's got some choices to make, uh, but it seems like, you know, uh, Josh Hoover is the guy if he's healthy and good to go. And obviously they lost Chandler Morris last week. Um, but you know, the, the rest of the way, like they, they just, it's not a team that paired well uh, depth of quarterback. It's not a team that has been able to move the ball effectively enough of the time. They kind of just got railroaded last week. The offense did not look good enough. And their defense, too, is a little bit out of sorts. Like, I'm waiting to, for them to find an identity. Maybe they do here. Maybe Sonny lights the fire, but doesn't six feel like a lot of points? I just think that's a trap line. So I'm going to lay the six with TCU because at some point, this thing has to turn around. Like, it, it, I mean, I, I don't see this thing going to three and four all of a sudden. I just, I don't see it. Um, I think it's a trap line and sometimes you see the line and that's what, that's what kind of makes you want to fire it off. And I'll take TCU minus six. Cause I think something has to turn for them. We'll see if they can run the football effectively against this BYU, this BYU uh, defense in terms of rushing defense. That is not an area where uh, BYU has really excelled. So I think for TCU, a big key for them is 
run that rock. BYU is 10th in the league in terms of stopping the run. Now, only allowed three rushing touchdowns on the season, but they're allowing 152 yards a game on the ground. So they can be had in that category. And I think that's where TCU looks to exploit things. Six o'clock FS1, K-State, Texas Tech. We broke this game down pretty thoroughly yesterday with our man Chris Level. We talked about the situation for both teams, right? Texas Tech being the dark horse coming into the season. K-State being the reigning champion and looking like they had a lot to, uh, to kind of lend to a situation where they could maybe go back and go to the Big 12 championship game ahead. And I thought going into the year, it's Texas, it's K-State, and everybody else until proven otherwise. Well, Oklahoma State under or Oklahoma State, Oklahoma under Brent Venables has proven otherwise, and K-State has proven they are not one of those teams that should be. Even after the Missouri loss, I gave them the benefit of the doubt because they played well in that game. It was a good football game, and it was just a, a game where they lost to a pretty solid Missouri team at the buzzer. Well, Oklahoma State, that was not. That was a case where you had a team that was somewhat inferior to you. I mean, you know, in terms of like what they've accomplished recently, but uh, they outschemed you, they outcoached you, they outplayed you, and really all three facets. You know, there's two point conversions, um, offense, defense. They started fast, they finished the game well, like all of those things, man. They just had you dead to rights the entire time. And so, uh, you know, K State, like, how are you going to rebound on the road? For Texas Tech, they're starting to look better. The big key for them is this week, you need to run the football effectively and to make sure you maintain pace effectively. I don't know if go-go gadget offense is the right way to go. How healthy is Baron Morton going to look? Does K-State change up their strategy? There is a whole lot that's at play here in this game. This, to me, is probably the biggest toss-up that we have this week, right? Just because... These two teams have shown Jekyll and Hyde, right? Texas Tech, even within the same game, has, but that's part of that's pacing. The Baylor game, they showed us what they could do. The second half of the Texas, uh, the uh, the Houston game, they showed us what they could do. The first half, they showed us bad. Part of the Oregon game, they showed us bad. Part of the Wyoming game, they showed us bad. Part of the Wyoming game, they showed us good. Part of the Oregon game, they showed us good. Like, this is what's happening right now with Texas Tech. It's just up and down. They're on a streak of playing well right now, so I'm going to take Tech, but it feels like we're hitting a category or a part of the year where I'm not sure if teams are going to build off the success that they had or they are going to be rocky up and down and, and you know be in fits and starts. That's why this weekend is an opportunity for plenty of these teams to separate. Also, I think, too, we could find some of that, you know, that, that middle class of the league. So I'll take Texas Tech at home. Obviously a big game there. All right, coming up now, your Saturday 7-7 games outside the Big 12 Conference. And guys, this is a great slate. All of these games have really, really tight spreads. Uh, all of these big games are supposed to be, you know, uh, or important games, but also have tight lines. Friday night game, it's a big one between Tulane and Memphis, the best two teams, it appears, in the AAC. Four and a half for Memphis there in that game. Tulane just seems better overall. But Memphis at home. We'll see if it's an advantage at all for them in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, 2.30, ABC, number eight, Oregon, number seven, Washington. I think Oregon has more ways to beat Washington. I'm kind of favoring them. 2.30 on CBS, AM at Tennessee. Is Tennessee going to keep kind of maintaining their spot as the second best team 
in the I almost said NFC East, but in the SEC East, that's kind of up for grabs. And that one can AM bounce back. And uh, will they coach better in this game too? At Jimbo Fisher. 630 NBC, number 10 USC at number 21 Notre Dame. Bad weather could impact what could be a pretty fun contest. 630 ABC, number 25 Miami, number 12 UNC, uh, UNC three and a half point favorite. Uh, Miami's loss last week was bad. Can they bounce back? We'll see. 630 SEC Network, Mizzou and Kentucky, two teams that might have something to say about Tennessee's claim to be the second best team in the SEC East. But uh, Georgia has already claimed wins over Missouri, or excuse me, over Kentucky. Uh, and I'm trying to think of anybody else they have. But, uh, you know, it's a good start for them in that part of the league. And then uh, 7 o'clock on Fox, UCLA and Oregon State, basically in a Pac-12 eliminator, right? The the loser of that game probably does not have a great chance of going to the Pac-12 championship game. Think about the fact that Utah, uh, you know, is still obviously in this mix. Uh, we still have UCLA, Oregon State, Wazoo, uh, Washington, Oregon, USC all have something to say. So it's hard to be, you know, up top uh, with two losses and a lot more schedule left to go. All right, that will do it for today's show. Be back on Saturday night slash Sunday morning with the winner's circle. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, find us wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter as well. All right, folks, we'll see you on Sunday.